having different strengths, I think is the recipe for success or it has been for us. And also just a sense of humor. We laugh through the pain a lot. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. I've written a book, a memoir that starts with my challenging upbringing with all the twists and turns and inflection points, including saving my company due to the pandemic. It will be published this year, so please go to natashamiller.co and sign up on my mailing list so you're the first to know when it's available. I met Elizabeth Vizzani, co-founder of Sugar Wish, a couple of years ago on a cold day in Chicago. We were both attending the same event industry conference, and her company was a sponsor. When I first laid eyes on their whimsical candy display, I knew their product and service was going to be a hit. Well, I think it actually already was at that time, but I was just discovering it myself. I spent a bit of time with Elizabeth at dinner that night, but today I get to talk to her about her entrepreneurial journey so you can hear it too. I think I've always, always been someone who wants to come up with an idea and see it through and try something else out or try to figure out a problem. And this one was a very simple missing link, I felt, is just a clever, easy way to send a gift that allows the receiver to pick. So I was working uh, doing business development, sending clients gifts and thank yous, and there weren't many cool options and nothing that I could deliver electronically or instantly that I felt proud about sending. So my co-founder's name is Leslie Lyon, and we were talking. She had worked in New York and in breaks from working at Ralph Lauren at the time. They'd go and go to candy stores on the corner and pick a little of this and a little of that. And it wasn't so much about the candy, but the joy it brought in the middle of your day. And we thought if we could capture that, and replicate it and bring it to people's iPhones, just that experience and capture it somehow, that would be the whole point of gifting in the first place. And when did you make that leap from your corporate job to opening Sugar Wish? We worked on it for about a year while I was still doing my corporate job. And then when we did launch it, it pretty instantly felt like it had legs. And we saw Kind of the fun thing about Sugar Wish is you send an email, a text, send it to someone on Slack or social media, and they get to go on and pick their favorites on like our virtual treat shop. But what we you found, know what my favorite is, by the way? What's your favorite? You know, it is the Boston baked beans. Oh yeah, Boston baked beans. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> One of those things you don't have that much, but when you do, you're like, I love these. <laughs> Why are they so good? But when we launched it, we saw like 10 people in a row get a sugar wish and turn around and send a sugar wish before they got the gift, but just from the interactive experience. And then we're like, okay, this is, we have something. 
that is exactly what we were trying to deliver is the happy feeling at your phone, at your desk. And then the icing on the cake is when it shows up in beautiful packaging and the things you picked. So you get double happiness moments. One, when you receive it, fun of picking, and then you get it again when it gets delivered. Yeah. It's like a double-ended, book-ended happiness gram. Right. And that whole thing that, you know, waiting for Christmas is more fun than Christmas. The anticipation's there. So you get it instantly. You get the message from whoever sent it. You get kind of the fun thing, picking. We always like to say like the fun part of shopping, the just the picking without the checkout and the shipping costs, all that's been taken care of. And then you're also waiting for it to show up. And then then when it does, you're excited. Yes. And I will attest to when I send them out as thank yous, I get a response back from a lot of people saying, oh, this is great. I'm going to use this. I I should be an affiliate marketer for you. Yeah, Um, and you can be. (laughs) Oh, is that a thing? It is. We do have Yeah, we're amazing. (laughs) So did you know what you'd be faced with as an owner leader of a company after you came up with this great idea, leaving your corporate job as biz dev? Did you know what it took to run a company, hiring, firing, manufacturing? Of course not. No. Not. <laughs> Insurance, <laughs> no, payroll, no benefit. Like I, you know, the fun. It was such a good idea, and let's do it. And I love design, and I love creativity. I love all that stuff. But along with it comes, like you said, the insurance agent. Just the day to day is more the things that don't give you total joy. That just that you're not necessarily fantastic at or want to spend your time doing, but. Since you have the passion for your business, you're willing to do whatever it takes. But and how did you learn? How did you learn how to do the things that you have to do to run the business? I honestly think that's one of the coolest parts about having a business is that it's just every day is an education. I can't imagine the things I have learned in the last nine years. Just every aspect of the business, you're part of it. So you just learn so much. And I don't know exactly a recipe for how I learned it, just inserting myself and being curious and making it my job to learn as much as I can. Did you go to business school or have you taken courses or do you have advisors and mentors that help facilitate when you need help? Sure. So no to business school, but I definitely try to get advice from I feel like everyone has a lesson to teach you and every business owner, I love to learn about the walls they run into, the things they've done. We did an accelerator where we had mentors and classes. That was very valuable. And the people we've met through that at every networking or event we go to, particularly I met you at one and found out about different avenues, different people have taken. And I'm always curious and wanting to learn what successful business How do you manage and balance the tasks that you do with your co-founder? So I just saw a quote yesterday, for a successful partnership, you almost have opposite skills and we have opposite skills. She's been in charge of operations, detail. You couldn't pay her all the money in the world to go out and talk or <laughs> be on podcasts in front of audiences. I love it. So having different strengths 
I think is the recipe for success or it has been for us. And also just a sense of humor. We laugh through the pain a lot. <laughs> That's wonderful that you have a relationship with your business partner like that. So am I correct in assuming that you've been in business for nine years? Mm-hmm. Interesting. When I met you about three years ago, let's call it, it felt like you were brand new. Well, yeah. The first year though, I'd say we were doing all the pre-work, working on the website, but we are a totally different company today than we were last year. Like so many things we're doing right now are brand new and we're excited about. And so we were just getting into the event industry. We were, that was like a totally brand new thing. And that was one of the first events we showed up and did a little bit. You guys put on a good show. Did you find that that vertical events was impactful to your company or did you learn that it wasn't as strong as other? No, it was impactful for sure. And just with not necessarily face-to-face now that Zoom and interactive events, but just personal, just Mm. having personal connections, I think can make all the difference in the future of your business. So we ended up getting a really great client from being involved in that. And that kind of was another thing that brought our business to another level. And with having a big client from an event, then we are able to create some things for that client that then we are able to use and grow the business. Is that how you moved from, not from, but how you added cookies and popcorn to your business? A little bit, but knowing that once we have some clients that we enjoy working with, which you know we have lots that we love, and they ask, like, we love this method of gifting. If you had more things, we can do it with more. So really catering to our clients and staying fresh, giving you more reason to work with us and us to work Great. with So it looks like you grew 6X last year. What happened? We were growing at a nice little clip, 50 to 60% a year. We were happy. I think we were a little bit on the front end of e-gifting where it was a paradigm shift to the way people gift, particularly letting the receiver pick. So some of the barriers in the beginning would be like, well, I want to hand them a gift in person. Like that's, I love your idea. I love them getting to pick, but I'm going to pick for them and hand it to them or send it to them. And just the old way gifting had always been done. And little by little, it started to change. And people are like, well, they're on their phone all the time. I should send them a text to their phone. That's, you know, that's where all our business works on Slack. It'd be great to send their birthday presents right where we communicate. And just like I would say the Zoom explosion this year, we were hand in hand with that, that yes, you can do this podcast interview on Zoom. I can hold great events on Zoom. I can gift online and deliver happiness instantly versus sending it in the mail, showing up a week later, me having the wrong address. Just people were like, aha, this is better. And that's really what happened. Do you think the pandemic helped your business or was it already going to explode whether the pandemic happened or not? Both. I think we could see our trajectory was starting to accelerate at a faster clip. We figured some things out. We added more products. Cookies was an amazing addition. And with cookies, it allowed us to offer the Sugar Wish Select where they not only pick what kind of candy, but the first thing they get to pick is what treat. 
And it just opens up so many more roads for us. But I think the pandemic and everyone being on their computers at home, different addresses, people looking to deliver happiness in any way possible did accelerate us. Okay. So one more question about the growth, because it's really important to a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. So if you had to rewind and do 2021 again, and there was no pandemic, so you 6X'd last year, what would it have been had we not had the pandemic? What was your forecast? Our forecast was to double growth. That was our forecast. We knew we were adding cookies but we didn't really know how to forecast it. So, and it was a great addition that helped propel our growth as well. With, But the Zoom culture helped to propel our business. So I'm assuming you would consider your company a direct-to-consumer company? No, we're both. Business to business. What is yeah. your model? So we have obviously a website and everybody can send a sugar wish, but we definitely have a platform that helps make it easy and delightful for companies to send gifts as well. So we do a lot of B2B. So I'm thinking about how you must operate and having to warehouse all the candy, order it. I'm not sure if you make your cookies in-house or not, but that isn't something that's manufactured necessarily like Nerds and Boston Baked Beans. Right. And then you have the popcorn. So it seems like a pretty labor-intensive service. It Talk is. to me about that. Yeah. It is. And each different product brings new challenges. So we always said in the beginning, it's not about the candy. It, it really about the experience. But candy was such an easy, awesome way to jump into our idea, our business model. Because there's so many choices. You do just get it from retailers, brings back feeling of nostalgia for people to pick Boston baked beans or bit of honeys. It just had so many things that worked well. When you do popcorn, it needs to be pop fresh and have tons of flavors. And so that adds just another element. The candy, we always have pre-packed and it goes out same day, but popcorn is being popped that day and then going out the next morning or later that day. So it's- And are you doing that in-house? So in the beginning, what we did is we bought it wholesale, but then what we ended up doing is working with a vendor so to do it. And then that's how we worked with cookies as well. Would you consider acquiring a business like a popcorn vendor or a cookie business to facilitate a better margin and more control? That, yes. And we have talked about it. And because it was the first time in our business that things were not totally in our control. How did that feel? <laughs> very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> very bad. And we pride ourselves on customer service. We pride ourselves on fast delivery. So a few things during the holidays with crazy demand and COVID and USPS issues. Yeah, the shipping was not. Shipping was a nightmare. And so it was the first time really anyone like was like, we got negative. Well, it took three weeks. We're like, it was USPS. (laughs) I swear. But that was soul crushing. 
Like normally it could be like, we'll stay up all night. I'll go in. I'll take care of it for the client. We'll do whatever it takes. And just things out of our control felt bad, but part of growing more things are out of your control. And now it's kind of fun to problem solve and figure out how we can. Um, well, you could be like Amazon and buy your own airplanes and then. Well, I don't, you know, that's next. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Yeah, yeah like we only need to make uh, tons more, but. <laughs> So the next question I have for you is entrepreneurs are always focusing first on revenue, which makes sense. And, you know, it's glitzy and it's fun and it gets you on lists like the Inc. 5000, et cetera, et cetera. But my question to you and every guest that I interview is, A, do you know the benchmark profit margin for, let's say, gifting companies? Do you know that? I don't. Okay. So some people know their benchmark and some people absolutely don't. So I would say what would make your heart sing? Because there's a big difference between, let's say, here's the polar opposites, a SaaS company versus a restaurant. Yeah, totally different. And we are a weird mix of technical product and product. So we are both, we have similarities with a SaaS company. Right. And similarities with a restaurant. So we're an odd bird and we don't have that many people in that space who do both. So we try to be as obviously we want to make money, you know, the whole point we're in business, but it's got to be price points that make sense and we can feel good about. So we try to have a nice margin without a crazy margin, <laughs> you know, like we make our hearts sing that it's people are very happy with what they get and we make some money. And it how is. many employees, full-time employees do you guys have right now? We have a lot of part-time employees because we have a seasonal business. So we have different times where we have more people. So we've had up to 90 people, but equivalents full-time right now we're at about uh, 50. That's a handful to manage. It is. Yes. I mean, at this point, then there's a hierarchy and there's management and there's divisions and departments, right? Exactly. And who's managing that? Are you the visionary or are you working in your business day to day? So I have been both, but we do use the EOS system, the traction that you said visionary. So my partner and I, we are now designated the visionaries and Jason used to be our CFO into the integrator role, and we are and just doing accountability charts, departments, all of that is happening as we speak. That's great. That's yeah. like such a relief, isn't it? It's a relief. And it's also like, oh, let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get there. <laughs> and I think it's really necessary for growth and something I struggle with. Not being hands-on is tough when you've always been hands-on for everything. And knowing you're almost harming your business if you stay hands-on. So on a constant day-to-day, having a conversation with yourself like, yes, that seems like you're helping, but that's really hurting. <laughs> Don't I'm help. so you know, glad like, you said that yeah. out loud that way because I think there's a control factor that a lot of entrepreneurs feel and also an ego factor. And the truth is, absolutely, if you continue to do the things that you started doing, 
when you've moved into a different phase, it can really hurt the business. And I haven't really heard it said the way that you stated it. So I'm glad that you said that out loud. I also think there's guilt around it when you want to be like, I want to be helpful. I want to be the type who rolls up my sleeves. I'm willing to do anything. You're like, I'll take out the trash. I'll do anything. And you want your employees and coworkers to feel you are that person. But then ultimately, it isn't helping and keeping their jobs and growing the business if you're doing the things you've always done. But it's hard. It is hard. <laughs> is there a one specific big challenge that you're working on in your business right now that's like you'd love to solve for? I mean, there's probably a few. There's, yeah. There's- I mean, I don't know if I have a big juicy one for you. One thing that we're particular, really exactly what we just talked about really implementing this accountability chart and really living by it is how new are you to EOS? So we've done for like three years, we've been doing L10 meetings. And then we do accountability in those meetings. Like we do the yearly meeting, we do the quarterly meetings, but we haven't taken it to the next level and accountability chart through all the departments. And quite honestly, we weren't big enough. You mapped your whole PNL to different people to be accountable. Right. So we tried to map it all out and present it. And that's hard to do. Definitely in a company that everybody is willing to do a lot to help a lot of people and to be like, don't help there. Let them do that. You do this. So that is our right now is really just driving it throughout the business and really living by that model and those principles. So having grown so much last year, how much are you hoping to and willing to grow this year? I mean, we're trying to double this year. We have just the best team. We feel we can do it and excited to add more people to our team. So double is what I'd say. And I think we're on a really nice path to how to get there. And we're working with some fantastic companies and hoping to add value and make their life easier. And by that, hopefully earn their loyalty. And in order to double this year, what is a strategy that you're really leaning in on to make that happen? Really, it's cliche, but just providing excellent service to our client base and really getting people to and companies to use us more than they currently do. So how will you do that? Is it marketing? Is it advertising? Sure. Yes. Yes. We have people assigned to the companies to make sure they're having an excellent experience. We definitely email market, Google advertising, Facebook marketing. We definitely have seen success in many different channels and we'll continue to explore just like the affiliate we mentioned earlier. That's new. So now we have somebody be rich by now, (laughs) (laughs) but I will be rich soon because, but we now have someone in charge of affiliate nonprofits and there's just so many avenues and a fun part is seeing what works and what doesn't. If your mouth isn't watering and you're not hopping online right now to order sugar wish for someone, you are showing serious signs of restraint. For more information about Elizabeth, as well as a link to order Sugar Wish for someone or yourself, we won't tell, go to the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. For more information about me, go to my website, natashamiller.co. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. 
I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs.